Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Seno, joined, as always, by the Sam to my Mitch. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, hey, you remember that one time when I kissed your sister in, like, sixth grade? And our very own Dr. Farthing. That's right. <laughs> Derek Ronald, how, are how are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Just make uh, something gamblers. Yeah, my, my, my gambling debts uh, going to kill me. So, uh, all right. Man, we, we cut uh, ourselves with that rusty soup can for nothing. Biggest Seahawks news this week. Uh, Tyler Lockett has accepted his fate and gone the full Michael Jordan. Uh, so so how, do we feel, <laughs> how do we feel about it, boys? I think it looks pretty sharp. What do you I think, think it looks good. Clean. Yeah, I mean, way to go. Yo, his head, just got to I, I can see why he resisted because his head is a little bit tall. But, like, I think it looks I think it looks all right. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Distinguished. Eric, what do you think? I like, I'm the, s- like the clean, clean, uh, clean shave. And it was uh, a shock for about two seconds. And then it was like, <laughs> okay, all right, I'll take it. All right. So let's start with, uh, let's start with some, uh, some Seahawks news before we get into the actual, uh, game. So first Jordan Simmons was nabbed off the practice squad today by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Kevin, uh, did you feel any emotion about that? Uh, humor. This humor. Oh, here goes Tom Cable. I'm sure that this is going to be really good for his career. Yeah, so it's. I I didn't really. I was just like, okay, you can have him back. I guess I didn't really know what to, what to what to say about that. It was. Oh, oh darn! We had to trade him in addition to the fifth round pick for Gabe Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it it's a band aid for the Raiders uh, for sure. I I feel like he will have similar value over there eric what did you think about dk metcalf's last dance fashion coming into the game did you did you dig that like the the jordan the jordan throwback on the way into the game i thought the jordan throwback was great i thought you were going to ask me something else and that was about his hair <laughs> oh well can you, you can talk was, about his hair too the rodman throwback the whole i was look. fully out on the hair when i saw that i was like okay that just looks sloppy and I don't like it. It was kind of like to- <laughs> it was kind of toothpaste color. Yes, it, it was like he forgot to rinse. Not, I, actually, I think it's the opposite. I think I, he probably died a little too early in the week and it got washed out a little bit. I'm, I love that he dyes his hair. Like, I think it's so cool. But that that particular color, like, I, I don't know. I think he might have thought it was like a sea hockey color, but it was just I don't know. Yeah, yeah Kevin it, might it, be right about it landed more cotton candy. Yes, that's yes. exactly what it looked like. And it didn't 100%. help when he had to be warned by a coach like, hey, one more foul and you're out of the game. And he was like, oh, no, with the stupid hair as well. Oh, no. All right. So we got to talk. We got to start on offense. He's going to get got... on a, uh, Eric Burns bicycle and ride out of town. Afterwards. <laughs> we have we have so much to talk about with this offense, though. Um, yes, we do. I think that it was. Um, better than any of us could have imagined. Uh, the Seahawks ran 41.4% of their plays uh, via play action pass. The Seahawks had pre-snap motion on all a lot of plays, most of their plays, including multiple guys uh, doing stuff right off the bat, uh, misdirection with uh, fake fake jet sweeps, fake, uh, doubles, fake double reverses, all kinds of stuff going on uh, at the line of scrimmage to, to get the defense off balance. Um, I'm going to start with you, Kevin, because I have a specific question for uh, for Eric about the way the offense looked. But what did you think about week one of Shane Waldron's offense? <laughs> I was just I was absolutely thrilled. Um, I had some ideas about what I thought it could be. And this was basically if you took all the sliders of positivity I had and kind of put them all at max, because I was hoping for some more pre-stat motion. And as you just alluded to, we had a ton of it. I was hoping that we had a more varied run game and we were using a mixture of uh, gap and zone runs um, inside and outside, as well as using the sweeps and using Russ's threat on rollouts as another facet of both the run game and the pass game. I thought our flood concepts were really clever. A couple of ways that you saw that were um, so the first touchdown pass to Lockett and the touchdown pass to Gerald Everett were schemed in basically the same way. If you watch the touchdown pass to Lockett, Lockett was running a seam route. We had an out route for Swain, who was running the wide slot, and they had a stack set to the 
right side of the formation with uh, three wide receivers with Gerald Everett playing the wide wide receiver and on the boundary marker. And then he was running basically a like three yard slant across the middle of the field. And so on the first one, the uh, they're running two deep man under. And on the first one, the outside corners had to basically honor Swain on the outbreaking route. And it left Lockett one-on-one in the middle beating the seam. And the whole scheme was basically going, okay, either they're going to have to give us a free throw to Swain or Everett, or they're going to have to go one-on-one against Lockett, which we just consider him open as soon as he's one-on-one. And so they just threw Lockett open and it was a touchdown. So then on the Everett touchdown on that, on that play too, like mm-hmm. how, how many people, how many times are people going to run zero blitzes against, against, uh, uh, against Russell Wilson before they stop? Like you cannot run. I hope a lot. You cannot run a zero blitz against Russell Wilson, leave every guy in man <laughs> and then expect not expect bad things to happen. Like it's just such a dumb play by the Colts defense. I, I, I mean, yes, Waldron's scheme like worked really worked right there because all the pre-snap motion revealed the man coverage, which is like what you want, right? Like you want to reveal what the coverage is, and so they just knew like we're gonna have man on locket, just toss it up, he's gonna catch it. It's just, but according to last year's film, that would have been a really effective a play against us. The Giants killed us with it. Yeah, but Lockett said the key to the catch. He said, just I have a quote I wrote down. Just being able to go back to the play, the nickel blitzed outside of me, so we knew the kind of pressure that was coming. I tried to be able to see who was going to be guarding me and then get myself in position uh, to make the catch, basically. So, yeah, it, it uh, it's just they, they knew exactly what they were looking for. It, the offense felt prepared in a way that I think hasn't happened in a long time. But that it set up the Everett touchdown because on the Everett touchdown, they knew they had to honor Lockett over the top. They did, and it left Everett wide open running across the middle of the field. And so he just caught it on the slant and turned up field for the touchdown. So the two touchdown, the one touchdown set up the other, and it really showed that it was basically a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. You can choose between not covering Everett or leaving Lockett one on one against a safety that's already on his heels. Like that, that shows the nightmare situation that they put him in. And so all you're really looking at then is, is the wide receiver going to catch it or drop it? And is Russ going to make an accurate throw? Well, we have pretty reliable wide receivers and I will bet on Russ making accurate throws. It's like just that little microcosm is a really good example of the way this worked. It's Russ has the green light to throw deep whenever he wants, but they're setting up the other throws so that they can't do what they did at the end of last season where they just sit on the deep ball and wait for Russ to eventually run out of time. Uh, let's talk about Russ between the numbers really quick before I go to the question I wrote for Eric. Uh, three for four for 25 yards and a touchdown over the sh- uh, the short middle, including the touchdown to... Uh, uh, and then, oh, sorry, one for one for 15 yards in the intermediate, which is the touchdown to Everett. Like, they... they, they those are the areas of the field where we're worried about Russell Wilson and they went to those areas of the field and had success. And um, so I, I'm, this is, this is what I, what I wrote though for Eric Darius Leonard <laughs> talked after the game about Seattle's cover two beaters and how the Colts just weren't able to adjust. It's been a minute. And then the, the quote here uh, from Doug Farr said, it's been a minute since I remember Seahawks offensive coordinator drawing up schematic advantages against the defense. Can you remember any time in your, in your life, in our life, <laughs> where, we had, where we had an offensive coordinator that you felt like was like out scheming the other, the other team, like, like Waldron did in this game? Uh, no, I would say maybe early maybe Mike Holmgren, Holmgren? early yeah. Mike Holmgren. So, and it, cause that's the difference early. Mike Holmgren was still at his peak and he could draw things up. Probably the, you know, there are moments of Super Bowl 30, Super Bowl 40. Was that our uh, Super Bowl run that we extra large yeah, yep. Super Bowl extra. Yes. So, yeah. uh, that there were, there were times that season, but it wasn't consistent. And it was hard to see that under the uh, Seahawk era because he only had a quarterback for three, four seasons uh, with, you know, three healthy seasons from Hasselbeck and, various other games so by that time it was kind of out uh about this game (laughs) my first note was offensive schemes not predictable and that is the biggest takeaway i can i can get from this game we had misdirection we had we had actual rollouts designed that that sometimes the defense saw sometimes they didn't it didn't matter it worked we didn't have to burn all our timeouts 
play calling I, alone allowed Russ to have more time to throw. Not just the offensive line, but the play calling itself allowed him to, to sit back in the pocket more because the defense thought something else was coming. And that's something we'd hoped we'd see. But man, to have it in, it's only week one. It's early, we don't know. You know, there's there's going to be some stumbles here, but man, it looks so good against a decent defense. I mean, I'll say one thing right here, Eric, which is which is that I just can't believe that you would slander the uh, Charlie Fry Seneca Wallace era, oh. 2008 oh. Seahawks. You know, the saluter remembers being in a game I think with your dad, where Seneca Wallace uh, on second and ten threw a bomb for a sixty yard touchdown. And the Seahawks lost forty-two to seven. Remember that bomb he threw to Corn <laughs> to Corn Wallet, Corn Corn Robinson, Corn Robinson. It was like 90, 92 yards or something. Yeah, yep. Seneca, Seneca Wallace had an arm. And, yeah, it's, and a cool uh, name. It was really fun to watch at Iowa State. Do you remember? Do you remember that we had uh, the Senecat? Yes, <laughs> the, the Wildcat formation that you, was specifically for Seneca Wallace. If long time long time listeners will remember that Nathan, whenever Seneca Wallace is brought up, always brings up the Senecat. <laughs> the Senecat, dude, it was it was so, it was so funny. Like I, it was so so ridiculous that they that they did that. Can remember you remember Seneca Wallace started twenty two games as an NFL quarterback? That's just like way too many. Yeah, Holmgren yeah, loved that dude. Remembered. Yeah. So all right, yeah, all of them but one for the were for the Seahawks. So oh no, and wasn't no, the has... other one for the? Did he start a couple for the Browns when it was yeah, Holmgren's yes. Browns? The Holmgren Browns. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> uh, all right, so the offense though, let's let's go into it uh, player by player. Russ, awesome. Lockett, awesome. Uh, everyone, awesome. The uh, offensive line though. Okay, this does look like it could be. Uh, they they a little bit of struggles in the uh, the run blocking department and uh, does look like maybe. Um, could be like a sketchy weakness. Kevin, I know you've been talking a lot about center play. Okay, Postage went down after 14 plays. Fuller came in. Like, do the Seahawks need to do something about the center position or or suffer the consequences? Or is it going to be okay? I feel like centers are really hard position to address in season just because, you know, as kind of the pivot of the offense – it's hard to get a guy in there. You, they have to get fully up to speed on calls because a lot of what they're doing is uh, working in tandem with the guards or it's a lot of blocking on the move in the run game. So if we were to pick somebody up, it would have to be a veteran. I'm not really sure what veterans are going to be available. Somebody who is familiar with the Rams slash Mike Solari system would be really helpful for that. Or if Beefy Boy Haynes could come in, and maybe either him or Lewis takes over at center, that might work because they've been kind of in the offense. I definitely think something needs to happen. Something needs to improve. But I do also think that having a full game of Fuller or a full game of Posage is better than having a partial game of Fuller plus Posage. So that alone will be better because continuity is so important. I, th- I really wish we would have had the the – Ethan Postage IR news like two days sooner because Austin Reader got signed by the Saints yesterday. Oh, and, and I do really think that's like a nice one for one switch. And we have cap room, and I we do have cap room, which makes me think that you know we're planning something right where there's some other there's some move coming, like we're going to make a trade or someone's going to get extended or you know some, something's happening. Right, there's another uh, shoe to drop there, but I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. What the what we're what we're uh, keeping the cap room around for. Now, the the offensive line looked pretty solid, and one th- reason I think it looked decent was that the Waldron offense had gave so Russell Wilson before when he scrambles, he had no direction, right? Like he's scrambling and he's just kind of running for his life and looking downfield. Yeah, right? the old all, uh, the old third and eight. Russ does something magical, and first down happens. Right, but now when Russ when Russ uh, gets flushed out of the pocket, he has a direction. He's he's his job is to roll out to his right. You know, like that's that's how the offense works. It's part of the offense, and I do think that that helped a lot. When even when Russ was on the move, uh, he was rolling to his right and and making better decisions. And I think that that like kind of that di- direction that just that that being part of the offense was actually really helpful for for the just how the way the offense worked. Also, because, Brown and Shell were ballers. Yeah, Brown's good. Shell's good. I, I think that the, the interior suffered when the when the switch came from yep. from Fuller to or from Postage to Fuller. Definitely, there was there was struggles from that point forward. Although, I mean, 
Pausich got plowed on that one play. But Dude, he got worked by Buckner. That was yeah. not even that was not even fair. Um, he could he could go to the school of just falling down and putting his all four limbs up in the air when he gets back from IR. <laughs> all right, Eric, let's talk about the runners. What'd you what'd you see from the uh, the halfbacks in this one? Uh, we'll start with uh, let's let's see our broccoli first. Rashad Penny, you have limited time on this roster. It is. <laughs> It is very early for me to say that, but Rasad Posich. Oh, were you were you were you surprised though that like they healthy scratched Collins to 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 play Rashad Penny? Like, uh, you know, it didn't surprise me because Pete Carroll has a little bit of hubris and he wants to keep Rashad Penny out there as long as he can. Also, he wants to see what he has in Rashad Penny. I believe that he thought uh, that he would have runners in space, which he did. Uh, Rashad Penny just wasn't one of them but i i don't know it's an easy choice this week <laughs> because of what happened uh to rashad penny uh so now on to the good stuff uh and that is chris carson that is a guy that uh, i had big expectations on after his uh after the his contract signing and he did not disappoint uh this is a guy that had to work through a uh, an interesting offensive line performance this week and he's, what did he do? He came up with uh, 16 attempts, 91 yards, nice average, caught the ball a few times, and he plowed over people when he had to, and that's what Chris Carson does. That third and one play was ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. It was beautiful. Yeah, Eric, he, the, the two first downs were huge. And I mean, we ran 25 times in this game, which you know Pete Carroll was very horny for. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you say that the only person to talk about is Chris Carson, but I, that's I would That's not disagree. the only person. That's not the only person. There's one more person we absolutely have to talk about. I think uh, I think I know where you're going. Freddie Swain, that's, one that's attempt, Swain. five yards. No, that's Dwayne <laughs> Eskridge. Oh, yeah, sorry. D, big D, D Eskridge. Eskridge, uh, he had a 13-yard run and a 9-yard run, looked really athletic on the on the run plays, uh, broke, a, uh, broke a tackle, uh, got, got his uh, 10 yards after contact. Like, this guy is the real deal. You can see exactly what they were looking for when they drafted him, right? Like, Yeah, and he here's the thing. We've we've gone through these attempted sweeps in the past. We've gone through these dumb bubble screens. Now we ran some some screens in this game that, wow, seemed to work with a good offensive coordinator, good offensive scheme. But Eskridge on those, uh, I hate calling them jet sweeps because jet sweep in the Seattle lexicon is like, it's a sin. It's a bad word. But <laughs> the, the the end arounds were just, I mean, he came in fast. Juanita. He, he looked like, honestly, like Percy Harvin did a few times, uh, mm-hmm. like Percy Harvin did in the Super Bowl, which I still maintain was a great trade, if only for the Super Bowl. But that is something in our arsenal with also this offensive scheme, uh, Shane Waldron, what he's going to run here. Uh, if you can just keep him in as a decoy, it's going to help us immensely. And he just... Uh, rookie performance uh, blew me out of the water with those two plays alone. Hey, Eric, would you say that the uh, Spokane scintillator would say that he's quicker than a hiccup? He's one of those guys who doesn't have to do anything to change gears. He just suddenly is going faster. Yeah, moves his feet a little so, bit faster. Here's the thing about DS Gridge for me. Okay, Between the way the offense looked this week, which we ran more than we passed, but it's mostly because we were ahead, right? We didn't. It wasn't like we were just forcing the run just to establish the run and pound the rock. We were running because we were winning, which is what when you should run <laughs> when you're winning by a lot. And the th- the thing and the between that and the D Eskridge pick, I do really feel like those two things were were the all the signs that we needed that this team was all in on what Shane Waldron wanted to do. Like yeah. that, the evidence yeah, was that's a all, perfect fit. The evidence is all there because D Eskridge really is the the jet sweep guy that he's way better. He's even better at it than Robert Woods. Like he's gonna he's he's really good on those uh, on that jet sweep action. And so we've got this this guy now, this weapon that we can bring in and and do that stuff with. Plus we've still got DK and Tyler. And boy, that that screen they set up to DK where they where they missed the pass. I think that they had that that thing set up where he was going to just get all the way to the quite possibly <laughs> so, yeah. and right uh, before the 69 yarder they had that uh tight end screen to Gerald Everett that ended up not counting off the penalty and that was another one where it was set up perfectly nailed the pass and a really big gain those are those are a couple of really good pass plays that never made the the stat sheet but they tell you what the offense is doing and it's really good yeah it's it's like this is this team is here's the thing 
Okay, a lot of times with the Seahawks win, but they win in a way that is mildly unsatisfying and that doesn't feel good and all honestly stresses us all out. And you you always leave the game thinking the team was capable of more, right? And this game just feels so different. It just felt so different. Like the the way the offense looked, it felt like if they needed to score seven points, they could just go out there and score seven points every time. Like they really felt borderline unstoppable. It was it's insane how how good this team looks and how well coached. And also we ran a successful QB sneak. Like I I just can't you can't under like everything was perfect, right? Like like yeah. things that we like Russell Wilson. How many times we played we under him? center a lot? How many? Yeah, well that's Rams offense one hundred and one right there. The Rams play under center all the time, and so like that that's the thing. They're all in on what Waldron's doing. Like Waldron came in with a vision, and Russ is all in on it, and they're doing it. Like they're they're making it happen, right? And but how many times have we seen Russ just bounce off of the offensive line on a QB sneak? Remember that one against the Cardinals where he just like, yeah, it just looked <laughs> awful every time. She's just so bad, and and now like here it is like the QB sneakies. He just nailed it. Like the team is this is there's something about this offense right now that just seems like it, they got it. You know what I mean? It, it's clicking. It's really working. Now can that can it sustain through the whole season? As teams get film on us, are are we going to be able to play the chess game and and adjust? Right. That's the question I think that we have to keep looking at, but. As of right now, I'm very feeling very positive. I mean, when a great defender like Darius Leonard basically says, "Like, hey, they were using plays that we couldn't figure out how to how to stop." That is a, I like that one, <laughs> I like that one a lot. Especially against this <laughs> garbage Titans defense we're going to face next week. But we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. Well, and the Colts DC uh, Matt uh, Matt Eberflus, the Colts DC, is a guy who gets head coaching hype. He's a well respected defensive coordinator. And if you look at them over the last few seasons, they're a team that doesn't have elite pieces, but they play really good, really sound fundamental football. Like if you're talking about a litmus test for an offense playing its defenses, this is a consistently above average defense. And we absolutely went out there and smoked them. Yeah. So, all right. Now let's let's move on to defense and Eric. Oh, I can we start... talk about a couple of things on the receivers because we didn't talk about receivers? I mean, two guys, they got like five targets each, Kevin. How... I know, but okay, you so just a couple of things, ends, Kevin. Uh, can we talk about Will Disley absolutely okay. playing right. against his son out there? Like that was the most ridiculous stiff arm I've ever seen. It looked like if we looked like when uh, we would do the teachers versus fifth grade game. That's because he stopped. You stiff arm, you stiff arm the fifth and the guy. No, you just kind of stop and you just kind of put your hand on their shoulder and let them fall in front of you. Say right there, Nathan. Nathan was about to lose respect for Kevin, and then Kevin said, "No, I didn't," and I lost respect for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to bring up is, I thought that the usage on Disley and Everett was really cool. Um, Disley's average depth of target was seven point three yards, and Everett's was one yard, which is kind of telling it's Disley. You give him the ball down the field. He's sure handed. And then he turns and picks up a couple for a first down Everett. You get him the ball with a little bit of space and he can do more with it. We use him as that kind of hybrid. Um, like he's a move tight end. We use him as like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. And I think that's an interesting usage of both of them that gives you a reason to run two tight end sets more often. Cause we the because the problem is we've had guys with different skill sets before, but we haven't used them in different ways. We were trying to just have Hollister go out there and be Disley or be Jimmy Graham, which is not efficient. Uh, what about what can we have him be James Graham? Uh, man, I wish only only for about five games. was he James oh, Graham. The other thing is Lockett's double move on the uh, long touchdown was sick. I just want to put that out there. That was a textbook fake outside run inside. Next thing you know, he's got like max social distancing that was just an awesome play all right i'm done i don't i don't don't want to play uh make anyone else mad do you have any other offensive things you wanted to talk about (laughs) gerald everett was uh was above board i liked him very much i mean i I was all over gerald everett in the in the preseason right and then i uh, got to my fantasy drafts and ended up just taking noah fant in every league instead because he was also available in the last round and now i'm living in massive amounts of regret like why did i do this uh, i mean gerald Everett was also available in all of these drafts okay defense eric who is your who is your defensive stud who, who are you uh who are you loving on this game uh it wasn't rasheen green it wasn't rasheed green as the announcers would say raheem raheem, or raheem green or, or raheem green uh rasheem green i don't know if he's uh 
if he was my go-to uh, guy in this game, but I what had about day roll teller. That's <laughs> because I, I felt like uh, Rasheem Green is a guy who we thought would not make this team. And then he, it became clear in the first preseason game that this guy wants to play here. Whoa, take the we out your mouth. All right. So hold on. Let me, let me get my thoughts out. So Rasheem Green comes out and has a, a game that uh, I wouldn't say it was a, uh, it wasn't like a, a game changer, but it was a game where he showed he belonged and that he was really good on this team. And uh, three tackles, an assist, uh, some pressure. I've just got to give it up for my man, Rasheem Green. Uh, well, I would say, would you say Rasheem Green looked Quinton Jefferson-esque? Yes. yes. That is kind of what he reminded me of in this game. And he played inside, he played outside. Uh, did you know that he had one snap at slot cornerback in this game? Did not notice Dro- that. Dropped into coverage three times. Uh, one of them he got burned which he, why why he was he, covering michael what you, Pittman? what are you doing why why did he get why are you letting <laughs> rasheem green get targeted twice in one game this is your defense i'm putting that I, on you <laughs> yes uh on as for like but, but he was great you're right was, uh, 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 other than getting buried by his coach by making him go out in coverage he well, did I mean, great he's he's got the coach. Yeah, how did rasheem green doing coverage is like how did justin ducker do with his left foot you know yes. it's one of those like this is not his fault <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I, I'll say my true start of the game was a guy that we also put a lot of, um, hey, you're you're now a second-year player. You're officially a veteran. You're going to do great things, and that's Jordan Brooks. Uh, oh, Jordan yeah. Brooks was uh, was probably my guy out there that I was like, yeah. Looked really good in coverage, too. Uh, yeah. Got, got targeted a lot, but kept the plays in front of him. Did not allow um, – only allowed – uh, 26 total yards uh, receiving and on the five receptions that he gave up. I, I thought Jordan Brooks looked – Absolutely fantastic. I want to talk about Alton Robinson for a second. Hmm. If Alton Robinson is going to get three pressures on five pass rush snaps, can you play him more than five pass rush snaps? Like, come on, man. That's like that's, 60%. Like, what are we doing? number, six. though. What are we doing? Get him on the field. Like, give me a few less carry hider snaps. Like, give me a Puna Ford. Let him rest a little bit. He had 52 snaps. That's way too many. Like, get... Get get those guys some a blow on the sidelines and give me a healthy dose of Alton Robinson because he is ready to to destroy like three pressures, two tackles on twelve total snaps. That is in, that is incredible efficiency. And yes, obviously he's not going to be that efficient if we raise the snap count, but like raise it up to twenty five. You know, the, I'm not saying I'm not saying he needs to be on the field for every play, but he should be playing as many snaps as uh, I don't know. Uh, Marquise Blair. I don't know. I'm just picked. I picked a guy who had around 25 snaps. Al Woods. He should be playing as many snaps as Al Woods. How about that? That's fair. So, so that that's a that's my uh, my Alton Robinson uh, corner. <laughs> Alton Robinson. The Alton Robinson minute. Uh, Kevin, can we talk about Jamal Adams? The the Seahawks Swiss Army knife. Or did your internet die? Yeah, it died. All right. So so let's, Eric, let's talk about Jamal Adams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jamal Adams. Okay. So Jamal Adams in this game. They had him do a little of everything. Yes. Do you do you do you know uh, off the top of your head all the different places he lined up in alignment in this game? No, you... because as you and Kevin probably know, I never really count that stuff. I I'll watch it in the game and I'll notice it, but I never keep track of that. Okay, so he played one defensive line snap, pretty pretty good. Twenty three in the box at, at like linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, nine in slot corner, two at wide corner. Uh, he was playing on left cornerback on a couple of plays. And then uh, he played 41 snaps of free safety. He was all over the field. They used Jamal in many different ways. And uh, he got a sack that they called back on a PS penalty. Yeah, that's that's bad. That that play should either be a delay game or or uh, a sack. <laughs> like yes. you have to pick. A, and it was third and nine. You have to pick a lane. You can't just like. And if we kill that drive too, this game is even worse. Like because they don't well, they I, score a touchdown. They, so. Well, there was that one, and then on the other touchdown drive, they had that phantom defensive pass interference on Reed the, that was absolutely ridiculous. The way the NFL lets the play clock count down to zero, and then the snap It's the a ball. full zero second, yeah. Yeah, it's like there's like a whole extra second that you get. And the thing is, the defense can, can, can't can time that. Like, it's like, it's such BS, because you're just giving this free, this free second. And to be honest with you, like, that's what Jamal did. He saw that the clock was zeros and just ran. Right. And that's fair. I think that's a fair thing for Jamal to do. He's heads up. He is one of the smartest players on the field at any given time. Right. Maybe the smartest player on the field. And so he sees zeros, he runs and then they call a penalty on him. Like that's just that rubs me the wrong way. And yeah, but I mean, it didn't like I said, it doesn't matter where in the alignment he lined up. He was awesome in this game. 
He's just he's so good uh, at football, and I don't know. Like they, I think That's he's exactly where I want to see him though. Like uh, a majority of his plays in the box and out playing safety. That's that's well, exactly. He, if he's he going to be everywhere, those are the two places I want to see him the most. The most, yeah. He did four pass rushes, but like he didn't. That's not absurd, right? Four pass no. rushes is how many we got out of Bobby. Yeah, five pass rushes from Jordan Brooks. You know that there's uh, other defensive backs combined for four pass rushes. So yeah, that there's that's pl- that's perfectly fine. That's an acceptable. Yeah, I would say anywhere between four and ten probably makes sense depending on the game. All right, Kevin, I saved this for you. Are you worried? I was going to talk to you about Jamal Adams, but you're uh, Comcasted. But do you do you uh what is cornerback still an issue for you? What do you think? How are you feeling about our cornerbacks? All right, so kind of bridging the gap between those two conversations, we played uh, nickel sixty two out of seventy six snaps, mm-hmm. which is part of what lets us kind of move guys all over the place, and that is alleviating some of my concern. Um, the pass rush is doing really well. That alleviates some of my concern which is a really coded way of saying I am really concerned about corners because the only thing that's making me feel better about the cornerback spot is how everyone around the corners is playing. So I I like that we're playing a lot of nickel. I like that we're not relying on Flowers and Reed to flourish on an island. But yes, I am still worried about the cornerbacks because they played a very bend but don't break style. We're having them do a lot of kind of trail technique, which is frustrating. Yeah, I want to, um, I want to, yeah, the, the cornerbacks are, are stressing me out. They're like, <laughs> they're so, they're stressing me out. So uh, do what much. I do. That's... Realize that there's really nothing we can do about it. There's literally nothing we can do about it, except hope that our often our defensive line becomes a, a pass rushing mega force. There's nothing else we can do. A pass rushing mega force. Like, yes. you really think that that's. No, that's, I don't think, think that's going to happen. I disagree. I think we're more like the 15th to 20th best defensive back room. Oof. Like I so if we can be the, you know, 10th to 15th best uh defensive line, then congratulations, we have an average defense and we have a top 2 offense. Yeah. Top 3 offense. Like I don't that's think our that's a Super Bowl is contender. In the middle of the road though. I I feel like it's Remember, our nickel and safeties are also part of our secondary. And if Daryl Taylor could keep pantsing right tackles like he did, then that's going to be really good for us, too. Now, even though the Seahawks win wasn't super stressful, the cornerbacks are still stressing me out, Eric. And uh, sometimes I need a way to to relax, a way to chill. So, Eric, how do you like to relax? Uh, You know, I go for my hobbies. Uh, I like photography quite a bit. Uh, Lounging around, relaxation in some sort of way. It's uh, it's de-stressing out out in nature photography that's how i like it yeah well another way, great way to relax out in nature is to head out in the water for a nice day of fishing now i'm not gonna lie to you guys um most of the time when i go fishing it's nathan holding a pole <laughs> and drinking a beer it's not uh it's not pretty i'm not a i'm not catching much of anything but i know someone who can catch some fish eric do you do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about Patreon Blake and his channel, Washington Fishing Quest. And the link is in the description and on the page and on the Discord. So if you want to check it out, you got to do it. You can head over to Patreon Blake's YouTube channel. Check out his most recent video. It's There's great, relaxing, chill vibes, fun music, tons of tips and tricks. It's an awesome channel. Uh, also, in his latest video, I watched. we watched it. Uh, Dude, he catches like a huge king salmon, like right off the bat. This thing is enormous. How I don't know how how big. I can't remember now how big it was. But Eric, have you ever caught a fish that big? No, no, no. I've only gone like trout and bass fishing so, uh, out on the lakes. But uh, if I'm I'm telling, I gotta talk here's, to Blake. Are you just eating here's, that fish? Here's right my on the boat? here's my salmon fishing story. You ready? So me and my dad go out. We get up at like four in the morning. We go on like one of these salmon tour boats, and we go out and. We go to catch salmon, and this is how bad I am at fishing. I didn't even catch a salmon. I caught a sea bass. Like, like I, oh wow! I caught like, a, I caught like a completely different fish. Like it's like like I'm just like totally off. Like Nathan, I'm like the abstract fisherman, off off grid completely. So I need Blake's help. You need Blake's help. Go go ahead over to Washington Fish Quest and uh, check out some fishing. So all right, now final thing. That was, and that was our that was our first ever uh, a live rat ad read. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to say, I'm glad it was for a person that I think is cool and uh, Patreon and someone that supports us and we support them. Uh, not 
DraftKings or something. Yes. <laughs> or uh, no offense, DraftKings. I know if you actually listen to this because you sent me an email this week asking if I wanted to enter into a marketing partnership because sports gambling in Washington is legal now. But but uh, Woo. yeah, finally. But uh, but but no, we got we got our we got a better person to advertise for. We got Blake. So okay, now back to Tennessee. So I kind of previewed this a little bit, but boy, howdy. This Tennessee defense, Kevin, this Tennessee defense. What if I told you they have a starting quarterback, cornerback named Jackrabbit Jenkins? I mean, it's Janoris Jenkins. He's been around for a while, but that is yeah, funny. But like, why did he change his name to Jackrabbit? Apparently, he has always gone by Jackrabbit. He just now that he's like over 30, he wants a spry young nickname <laughs> in order to help reinforce the th- I don't know, man. I, I didn't do it. Is he yeah. trying to steal my Patreon bit? <laughs> That's so I'm here, worried about it. Here's the thing. That's okay, Jack Rabbit Ronnebeck. That's yeah, it doesn't work this, as well. This defense has like two good players on it. It is not a good defense. Uh, Christian Fulton's okay. Kevin Beard's good. They have a, a one pass rusher you have to worry about, Harold Landry, and that's it. So you can just scheme to beat him. Like it, I don't know. I really think this could be a, a banner day for the Seahawks offense again. The big thing is the part of the field where this team is the weakest is the intermediate middle. Their linebackers are trash. So if we're going to beat this team, we have to play to Russell Wilson's weakness, right? We have to play. Excuse to- me. I saw last week. You mean his strength. Exactly. Like if, if the, this is kind of a, a good litmus test for if this offense is really what we think it is, if it is, and they're, they can attack other teams weaknesses. It could be very nice. Now the Titans offense looked like a, like a dirty diaper last week. Uh, their tackles really struggled. Uh, I think I looked at their pressures allowed. They allowed, um, they allowed five sacks to Chandler Jones alone. Yeah, they allowed 17 pressures, six sacks, five to Chandler Jones by himself. Uh, Every single guy along the offensive line allowed at least one pressure. Uh, Derek Derek Henry even had trouble getting going. Like it was just not a good day for the Titans. So, what do you attribute? Too bad they didn't have a power back to help. Yeah, exactly. What do you What do you attribute this to, Kevin? Is it just the loss of Arthur Smith, or what? What What's going wrong right now for the Titans? Why is Why do they seem so much worse than last year? Well, on the subject of the loss to Arthur Smith, they were one of the least play-action-oriented offenses in Week 1, which is literally the polar opposite of the way that they were before. They were one of the most prolific uh, play-action passing offenses the last couple of years under Arthur Smith. They basically went away from that. That doesn't help Tannehill's game. That doesn't help their offensive line. I also think Luan is still not 100% healthy, and he's been nicked up the last couple of seasons, and in general, their offensive line is kind of trending the wrong direction. They're getting to that part where they went from dominant to like what Dallas's offensive line went through. They're now kind of dinged up and they don't have quite as much talent. And so if you go away from play action and your offensive line isn't quite as good, I think it just exposes a lot of their weaknesses. Yeah. Um, Eric, does this Titans team scare you still? I mean, they do have the big, the big name players, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, uh, Derek Henry, are you are you a little nervous about the 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 big names on the Titans? I am a little nervous about this Titans team because I believe Mike Vrabel is a good coach. Ryan Tannehill had a much he's improved a, much, a lot since he escaped the gaze. Yes, <laughs> got that gaze stake <laughs> off him. He had a, a much more refined season, uh, something we we thought we'd get from Tannehill. Now, if he has this type of game he has, you know, all year, it's going to be a bad year for him. But I do expect him to bounce back a little. I don't think he's a world beater. This uh, the tackles for the uh, for the Titans had a really rough game against the Cardinals. The uh, they have kicking issues. They have uh, three great receivers, but uh, they had a chance to run the ball multiple times this week and didn't do it. Uh, Vrabel is, I think Vrabel had a had an opportunity to win this game this week or at least be more competitive, and I think he kind of blew it. I will put uh, enough on the coaching staff for Tennessee last week, saying that. That's what makes me nervous about this week because Mike Rabel is a, and I could be wrong and let's hope I'm wrong for this week, but I think he's a good coach. I think he will make the adjustments and they will come out uh, stronger from this loss. I was really hoping that they beat Arizona last week. One, it helps us in the division, but also it kind of puts them high and mighty and would help us scheme against them and, uh, you know, kind of put them on their backs. 
I think they're going to be uh, fighting from a uh, from a corner, and then I don't think that's necessarily great for us. Now the over under on this game is extremely high. Okay, fifty four. It's the third highest over under of the week, I think. But fifty four is a really high over under. That's basically saying that they see this game as a shootout. So starting with you, Eric, do you see this game as a shootout? Do you think that both teams are going to be able to put the points on the board? Uh, no, I would say this is an under because <laughs> this is going to go one of two ways. Let's be right, Eric. It's going to be either <laughs> Seahawks in a blowout or a tighter game in the 24-17 realm. Uh, kind of a little tighter than we saw last week. Cla- against a classic the- Seahawks game is what you're saying? A but- yes. But yes. tightener. And let's not let's not be relaxing like fishing. One diamond production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a, that's great, Kevin. This is one thing we didn't bring up in the Colts game, but still kind of a snooty third quarter from the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, not not a spectacular third quarter, and that is still a Pete Carroll thing, and that that tends to uh, that shows that that is a a big possibility for this week. Yeah. All right, Kevin. What about what about you? Do you uh, do you think that? This this is a high gate high scoring game, a shootout, or do you think it'll be a a little bit of a more low scoring affair? I have a shootout in this one. I think their wide receivers are good enough to take advantage of our defensive backs, and I think we're going to score all over them. I have it thirty eight twenty seven Seattle. All right, and uh, that's uh, oh we're doing scores now. Um, okay, uh, I'll do I don't know Titans thirty Titan no no Titan seventeen Seahawks thirty one. Uh, I I think that the trend of us not being close uh, games continues. All right, buddy, what do you uh, think, Eric? Uh, you know, I was pretty close last week. I'll try and be super optimistic. 34-7 to Seahawks. All right, well, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, uh, including, you know, you could be like, you could be like uh, Patreon. Oh, my gosh. Why did I just Blake? like blank on the name? I, I wanted to say Brent, and then I was like, it is not Brent. <laughs> It is Blake. You could be okay. like former Seahawk, former Sonic Brentberry, and right. help support the Seahawks podcast. Can, you can you can buy an ad where we'll talk about whatever you want. You could be like Blake, or you could just head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month. Get access to the Patreon Picks podcast uh, coming to you every week. It's a lot of fun. Also, head into the Discord, uh, send us a message, say what's up. Uh, yeah, and then that's basically all I have to say about that. Uh, there are many people who have joined the Patreon. They went to punthub.us they found us they are some of them are loading <laughs> some of them are loading they this are is the third quarter Andy, of the seahawks Brett, podcast Retta, james carrie lucas ryan timothy tom astro bob casey charles david Floctimus, Foles, jay kieran leon michelle mike and mike richard sam thomas warwolf uh brandon and nick okay movie club well, of course, we had to honor one of the all-time greats. I'm pretty sure we've done this movie before, like 99% sure, but yeah. I just don't care. I just don't care because I do think it is the uh, the crown jewel of this person's uh, movie library. And I do think that – okay, so we're talking about Norm MacDonald, of course. Um, and Norm MacDonald, I do think that he could have done more movies but basically just chose to be a club comedian instead because yep. he liked it. He was like, I want to do TV. I want I want to make my whole life a bit, you know? But, <laughs> but, yeah. I also think the cool thing about Dirty Work is because he's done some, he did some uh, some bit parts in like a lot of the Sandler productions because Sandler would always have a spot for him. He did things here and there in different movies. But this was a movie that really captured his comedic style which is not something you're going to get a lot of movies to do. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, a friend of his was the one who directed it to make it happen. The, the whole movie is a bit, just, just like his it life. Is. It's just bit after bit. There's not one second of this movie that's not part of a bit. Note like, to self, I don't want to live. <laughs> to the bearded lady, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a bearded lady. You haven't lived until you've been with a bearded lady. Note to self, I don't want to live. What is that? What is um? Uh, note to self: Learn to fight. Yes. <laughs> After he gets me, get wart cream for giant wart on ass. Uh, so okay, let's solve it first. We got to get that away. Starting with Eric, what's your favorite d- bit in Dirty Work? Oh man, that's hard. Um, any it's funny for the intros. You made me Doctor Farthing, uh, Chevy Chase. It's 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 either that or the Chris Farley stuff. So, so Chevy Chase, the be- what's the best line is when he goes, uh, 
Wait, What's wrong? What happened to your arm? Uh, well, either I slept on it funny or the bookies broke. <laughs> I saw this in my head. I watched this uh, in the summer of 2020 when it was streaming. I like the part where he says something like, I don't understand what he says. Like, the oh. bookie, the, hold on. The bookie, like, he takes, he, like, he shoots off my toe. Yes. And then I still got to pay him money anyway. That doesn't seem fair, especially when he's going to kill me in a couple of days anyway. Yes. Like, <laughs> It's there's so much humor from Norm Macdonald in this movie, and Norm Macdonald does not say it all. Oh yeah, which is um, what I all love. right. So we got the Chevy Chase stuff. Um, you you're you're take you're also cornering the uh, the Saigon Horbit the Saigon with uh, <laughs> with uh, with Chris Farley. Where he, the, the, I think the best one line from him is when he tries to play Street Fighting Man. That's the great G seven. You just, just hit G eight. If you like pina coladas. Yeah. All right. So what's up? What about uh, you, Kevin? What's your favorite bit in the movie? All right. So I have to go with uh, Jack Warden. Everything with Pops McKenna. Um, but if I have to pick pick a specific Pops McKenna thing, it's him constantly saying extremely dirty things about him and Norm Macdonald's mom. Yes. Why, why'd you have to show me this locket with the picture of you and her having sex in it? I thought you wouldn't believe me. Oh, I love, uh, you cheated on mom? No. Who do you think was holding the camera? That's right. Or uh, I what was it? Well, when we were kids, they didn't have fancy birth control methods like pulling out. <laughs> There's just so many like awful, amazing lines that you get from Pops McKenna, and the whole thing with uh, Norm Macdonald being afraid of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could still hear. Uh, being a creepy old man. Uh, okay, so for me, um, I think it's hard. It's really hard. There's a lot of great. Uh, bits in this movie but if i had to pick just one uh it's probably when they go when they work so they at the beginning of the movie they work in a theater and uh oh, don, don rickles, rickles, don rickles yes. comes out and he's just like uh like ripping in to Artie straight, lang so hard and he's just being the most don rickles and then <laughs> and then he and then of course norm starts laughing and i don't think he i think he's corpsing like i don't even think he's supposed to laugh and don rickles is like you're laughing and he starts making yep, fun of norm yep. mcdonald and the, the best part is he you prefaces the personality that. of a knack the pre- he prefaces that with I'm gonna give you an example of my managerial stuff. <laughs> Which I think is such a funny way to preface just we're just running people down. And then he talks about how he's gonna end them. And then so then they show they go they're gonna get because the, the whole movie is basically like Norm McDonald's does revenge plots and they sh- they go to show the movie, you know, and they show men in black who have sex with each other. And then yes, they both are like cover- having sex with each they other. They both are covering their eyes. And then, and then uh, Artie Lang looks at the screen, and then Norm McDonald just goes, "Note to self: Sam looked at the screen." <laughs> I was making sure that it was playing right. Uh, there's so many great bits in this movie. The, the real cops thing, uh, <laughs> where they they dress as cops, and then they call and tell them that fake cops are going to come to the house, and so they and the cops are just beating them with the. Well, no, and then he calls and he says, "Hello." Real, Real cops, cop? which is the dumbest <laughs> way to start a phone call. Uh, and then in the, when they go to jail, <laughs> and then, ridiculous. And then, and then he's like, "Yeah, it's just the lack of respect." You know, the, the other thing hurts the most, but the second most is the, it's the lack, lack of respect. respect. Um, um, I also love when they are hiding the fish in the house, <laughs> and then the dr- smells like fish in here. Is that is that is that a coat? Are you wearing a wire? And there's like, oh, and so it's just. Like a solid almost two minutes of Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang standing there holding dead fish as these like horrible, violent sounds are happening in the background. But all you see on camera is them just holding the fish yes. and just like dead panning it. And it's the most absurd thing. This is an 82 minute movie and they spend at least 90 seconds on the scene of them holding fish and doing nothing. And it is funny as hell. Yeah, because every every second of this movie is part of a part of a bit. Uh, the dead hookers, dead hookers in the trunks. Like the, uh, I love, there's still it comes fully loaded, fully loaded with dead hookers. There's still <laughs> some weird physical gags in this too. Like, and I said this I think a couple years ago when we did this movie that uh, when when Artie Lang is like, "Hey, I'm gonna moon these guys in the, in the <laughs> movie like, line coming up." Yeah, and then. Normanthal just parks the car. I, when I saw that in theaters, <laughs> I was laughing for minutes. It, it hits so hard because Artie Lang's butt—it's just so big and hilarious in that scene. 
What about, I like the when when he tries to pay the homeless to, and they're like, man, we're not the crazy uh, mad yes, homeless. We're, we're more of the homeless. we're more of the depressed, uh, psycho homeless. Yes. <laughs> you, like, you want the psycho homeless? Yeah. You want the psycho homeless? Yeah. How about two dollars? <laughs> How about if we pay you two dollars? Or the running gag about a uh, um, oh god, I, uh, who's the guy? I, uh, Christopher McDonald. The running gag about Christian McDonald having his thumb up the dog's butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's such an unnecessary I mean, it just, joke, and it, but it's perfect for it the just, movie. It starts with, like, if, if you have never seen this movie and you want to know what you're in for, there's a gag at the beginning of the movie where he's ca- where he catches a, um, a crossing guard who's grabbing kids' butts. And I think, <laughs> I think like, if you... And this is him you, as a kid. And it's him as a kid, yes. And if you watch that that part of the movie and you laugh uh, you'll like the rest of the movie it, it's uh it's because that basically sums up that's basically like that gag is basically what the whole movie is it's just bits like that just well, over and over the, the whole montage of when they're kids and he hides the guns in the bully's desk mm-hmm. like <laughs> who's, i don't know why that's clothes, so funny but it is whose clothes fit worse in this movie norm mcdonald or Artie lang yes Artie lang's are very small and Norm McDonald's clothes in this movie are, are pretty baggy. So yeah. big. Very I almost stoppy. feel like they purposefully had them wearing each other's clothes just for the joke. <laughs> it feels like it's a gag, too. Yeah. like Or like when he's walking up to his apartment after uh, his girlfriend kicks him out and everyone's wearing his clothes that she threw onto the onto the driveway. <laughs> Oh, and Dr. Farling, well, he got over his gambling problem, but the boogies beat him to death anyway, so he's dead. (laughs) Yeah, the end note of the movie. Yeah, Yeah, this is one that I feel like this movie just doesn't get called out all that much. It's a very specific brand of comedy, but if it's your brand of comedy, it is incredibly funny. Um, It is streaming on HBO Max if you have it in the US. I don't know where else it's streaming um, or if it's streaming much of anywhere else. I watched it on Max, so... Yeah, by all means, like if you can get your hands on it, if you haven't seen it, if you like any joke that Norm Macdonald ever told on Conan O'Brien, this is a movie of that joke. Yeah. It's 100 yeah. percent Norm. Uh, yeah. So anything else you guys want to say about this movie? No, uh, go watch it. Go watch it. All right. For Eric, for Kevin, we will uh, see you all next week. Go Hawks.